show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Experience, business, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Consumer first health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status. No. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all, come on, let's go. New choices, new platforms, new care models. In the healthcare of tomorrow, consumers win. But who will design it? What will it look like? And how long will it take? We're here to answer those questions with some provocative thinking about how to create the healthcare that people actually want. Ready to roll up your sleeves, look at the world a little differently, and explore the frontiers of consumer health together? Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Welcome back. I'm Jared Johnson from Shift Forward Health, and here's what's going to go down today. We have the flavor of the week about the Consumer First Health Manifesto. The manifesto was published six months ago. So what progress are we making in accomplishing the changes that it outlines, and how can we continue building momentum in those areas? I'll talk about that. Then it's a double dose of awesome as we welcome two guests, Alex Gray, founder at Adapt Innovation Group, and Paul Backett, co-founder at Evolve Collaborative. Alex and Paul share ins and outs from the trenches about how to co-design consumer experiences, build the consumer muscles in your organizations, and coalesce as an industry to elevate that work for your benefit and the benefit of the people that your organizations ultimately serve. It's time to dive right in. Are you ready? Let's go. Flavor of the week. The momentum for consumer-minded innovation is building. The Consumer First Health Manifesto was published six months ago. It represents the progress that our community wants to see when it comes to engaging with the healthcare system. The TLDR version is simple. We believe it can and must become easier. The challenge is that reducing friction in the business systems of healthcare is incredibly complex and opaque. Historically, no one has wanted to claim that it's their fault or own the process of improving it. But that's slowly starting to change, and there's good news on the horizon. There are good people everywhere who are actively working to break down the silos within the industry that have limited the cross-functional collaboration that's needed to effectively design around consumers' jobs to be done. For instance, experience and consumer insights teams are designing new experiences that are easier for consumers. Digital and technology teams are building the connected infrastructure for those experiences to be possible. Marketing teams are communicating the value proposition of these new experiences to consumers and providers. And finance teams are innovating sustainable business models and aligning incentives with more components of digital first and value-based care. Kirsten Leckie from Writer Girl recently interviewed Victor Rice, the VP of Consumerism and Insights at UNC Health. It's part of Writer Girl's Tips in 10 Minutes video series. And one quote has stuck with me. Victor said, we're all holding pieces to a puzzle. So whether you're an existing healthcare system, a disruptor, or someone on the fringe, wouldn't it be great in 2023 if instead of everyone trying to build their separate puzzles, we choose to come together and solve the larger complex issues? Now, if any of this resonates with you, you are our kindred spirit and I invite you to be part of the community, the Consumer First Health Group. We chat every month on Zoom, we have a Discord community, and we have a lot more coming up in store this year as we work to accomplish these changes together. You can start by reading and sharing the manifesto. Message me on LinkedIn or Google Consumer First Health Manifesto. Let's continue to use the manifesto as our flag in the ground. Let's rally around it, review it often, and use it as a conversation starter so that we can continue the momentum towards the changes that we want to see in the industry and in society. That's another way that we'll build the healthcare of tomorrow. And that's the flavor of the week. 
flow, the flow, the flow. All right, everyone, let's get into the flow. Give it up for Alex Gray. Alex is the Assistant Vice President of Business Development at Indigo Health and founder of Adapt Innovation Group. Alex, welcome to the Healthcare Wrap. Hey, thanks, Jared. Appreciate having having me today. I'm also pleased to welcome Paul Backett, co-founder and creative director at Evolve Collaborative. Welcome, Paul. Hi, Jared. Nice to meet you. Okay, so how do the two of you know each other? I was a, uh, Paul and I met in 2014. I was part of a cohort of uh, innovation fellows at Providence uh, Health System. And uh, Paul, I met Paul and his team through that opportunity. And so I was, uh, was fortunate to be part of uh, that first, first cohort in innovation. And uh, we've stayed connected ever since uh, through various projects and interactions. Yeah, it was a really fun program. We got to uh, partner with Providence over a number of years to help bring human-centered design kind of techniques and methodologies into the organization. And yeah, as Alex said, he was one of the first cohorts. The cool thing about the program was it ran over the period of the year and teams went from kind of ideation all the way through to launching live pilots in the community within that year. My team, me and my team here at Evolve were kind of essentially coaching them through that throughout the year and introducing them to kind of tools and techniques related to human-centered design. Outstanding. Well, let me give you both a chance to share a little bit more about yourselves. Paul, let's start with you. Can you give us a quick summary of your background and tell us one of the best pieces of career advice you've ever received. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, as you guessed from my funny accent, I'm not, I'm not originally from here. So uh, I grew up in Scotland and started my career in the UK. I moved to the US 17 years ago and started my agency Evolve Collaborative nine years ago with my business partners. We're an insight design innovation studio with our kind of main focus on participatory design, human-centered design, uh, co-design. That's kind of like a key to all of the work that we do here. And thinking back, like I was thinking about this, it was like I was, I was going back to my, in my mind to previous bosses. And so one of my first ever bosses told me, think about managing down, not managing up. I didn't quite understand it at first, but I think I've learned more about over the years. So I think really what it means for me is like focus on your team and make sure your team is doing great. Don't worry so much about what you're what looks good in front of your boss. Wow, that's great advice. Alex, what about yourself? My background has been in healthcare. I've been started on healthcare in 2003 in the laboratory world and sort of grew up in the laboratory world after after college, got into development and product development and strategy coming up through the health system with with Providence and, and uh, have explored lots of different components of the healthcare ecosystem, both in health plans, healthcare delivery, innovation. And then most recently, I, I joined a Multicare's Indigo team where we're leveraging technology innovation in a retail experience to, to radically improve how people access healthcare. When I think about the career advice or the best career advice that I received, it was early on, one of my professors in college talked about questioning everything and understand why. I'm the type of person that I do need to know why I need to look under the hood and make sure I understand how things are working. And I do question everything. So that's stuck with me throughout my entire career. Outstanding. Well, let's dive in a little bit deeper here because it sounds like there's just a lot of opportunity to discuss not only the work that you've both been involved in, but also just helping people understand where things are right now. And I wonder if we can set a baseline regarding consumer-centered design and consumer-focused innovation. I mean, there are a lot of different terms for it, right? I tend to think of it starting from the macro level of consumer transformation, where we're talking about transforming the business systems and culture, the long-term work. Then a level down from that is consumer strategy. Then I think consumer-centered design and consumer operations would be a level beyond that. But when we talk about healthcare organizations, we tend to focus on traditional healthcare provider organizations, so hospitals, health systems, and health plans. How do you think those types of organizations are doing when it comes to consumer-centered design? Where are they succeeding, and where do they have opportunities to improve? 
Paul, we can start with you on this one. It's a tricky one. I think, you know, we've worked with a bunch of different kind of healthcare organizations, health insurance organizations over the years. And we tend to find that the ones that are kind of come with more of a community mindset, have a best kind of match, a best fit for human-centered design. They're really focused on the people that they're serving around them. And I think it really opens up their mindset to having conversations. I mean, that's for me, that's the fundamental of human-centered design. It's just about people. It's about talking to people, about engaging them in the design process and making sure that they are driving the process as well, uh, you know, key participatory key participant in the design process. So I think that mindset of uh, community-focused is, is really important. It makes a lot of sense. And yes, if that doesn't happen, it's awfully hard to execute on any of those designer innovation elements, right? Alex, what do you think on this one? Yeah, so I think they're treating this as a capability, Jared. And so I think there is a consumer focus and it is ingrained in their their leadership, how they do things right and, and, and how they've organized components of their system. I think there's a handful of systems right now that have sort of led the way in that space. And now I think you we are seeing the pivot point of other systems that are now having looking at that saying, okay, yeah, that is the way to go. We need to actually treat that as an asset and a capability and and design ourselves around that. So I think you have some, you know, the last probably uh, six, seven years, you've had systems that are kind of leading the way. And now you're having, you know, either either through uh, self-disruption or they're seeing what's going on in the marketplace with vertical integration. And they're looking at their situation and they're determining that that is a capability they need to have either internally or partner to uh, obtain. Okay, so you mentioned those different options, right? Learning this internally or partnering. It definitely feels like designing consumer experiences and having this mindset of speaking with consumers, those are things that don't tend to be in the DNA of most healthcare organizations. But now we've had an evolution on the consumer side and there are a lot more options for care. So so to me, in order to evolve in our individual organizations, it takes the recognition that maybe we need some new skills and maybe some new core competencies established within our teams. For me, that reminds me a lot of digital transformation that happened in many healthcare organizations over the last 10 to 12 to 15 years, and even before that. It really accelerated over the last 10 to 12 years, I'd say. So from a consumer-facing standpoint, you had things like social media and smartphones. You had just you, you had responsive design. You had a lot of things that enabled organizations to be more consumer-minded. But all those things had to be trained and become part of the culture because they really weren't within the DNA of most healthcare leaders then either. So there's a pattern of recognizing that some skills need to be established, and then there's some core competencies that need to be created. Alex, let's start with you on this one. What skills and core competencies might need to be established to get better at consumer experiences? Yes, yeah, so, well, Jared, I'm a great example of an internal individual who was part of a health system had, you know, gone through clinical training in the laboratory, was focused on what we believed was a, a great co uh, consumer experience. Fast forward to 2014, meeting Paul's team going through his cohort. And this is a little bit of pitch for, you know, for that approach. But myself, as well as uh, some of my colleagues were selected because we were motivated as internal disruptors in our system. And so giving us the tools to be able to listen to consumers, learn how to observe, watch and refine our observations into visual and reportable documentation that, that led us into insights is the first skill or skill set that, that someone needs. Some people have that intrinsically and others, it's, you have to teach it and that's great. I think an appreciation for, for people and, you know, in both the, the digital as well as the, uh, the brick and mortar environment, 
and, and watching people and, and you do a lot of observation and watching people and trying to think about how, how you can improve. And so a curious personality is definitely a, you know, an asset to someone. And, you know, some folks, that's something you can train and some folks have that. And then certainly uh, somebody who has the, the ability to think through change and, and think about what, what strategically they need to do to change a system or to manipulate an experience or a system to come out on the other side with something that is, has been co-designed or, or benefits their consumer. So I think those are the three areas that from a skill set perspective, and some of those are learned and some of those are trained and some people just, just have those. But there are folks who have a, a healthcare background that certainly have potential to be trained in, in human center design. So thank you. Paul, are the skills and core competencies that Alex just described usually inherent in one team or another? What types of backgrounds of people are you working with when you're helping develop this in the DNA? I mean, I'd say really across the board, like it's, it's not specific departments we work with or specific roles. Certainly roles that are, you know, patient facing or customer facing are, are always really interesting to be a part of these programs, but we're looking for a mix. Like we really want to make sure we've got a kind of a cross section of the organization who's going to be challenged to drive innovation and change within, within their company. For us, you know, I think absolutely building on what Alex said, but also, you know, people just coming with a kind of a, a creative mindset and an openness, willingness to learn and to think differently. We definitely see especially in healthcare, you know, it, it, it's very serious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Alex and I were talking about this the other day. It's very serious and it should be, you know, it really should be serious. But sometimes that's not the right mindset for innovation thinking, thinking about the future, trying to do things differently. And so, yeah, we're looking for people to come with an openness. And then it's our job as kind of as designers to help people feel comfortable. I'm a strong believer that we're all creative. I think we're, we're, we're almost taught not to be creative in our, in our lives. And so I think if we can write, use the right tools, methods, we can help people kind of lose some of their inhibitions and engage in the creative process and become a part of the creative process. And we use a lot of kind of play-based models for that. So in the workshops we run with our clients, in the co-design we do with their customers, in the sessions we run with their staff, we think that play is a really great tool for kind of breaking down those, those barriers that people have put up over years. Stay tuned for more provocative thinking after the break. Consumer demands, disruptive technologies, and AI are shaping healthcare for years to come. On the Hello Healthcare podcast, we dive deep on these issues with leaders who are driving change. These stories will inspire you to create and demand a better future in healthcare. Learn more at hellohealthcare.com. And now, back to the show. No, I think that makes sense. And I feel like the skill set does include some of the parts that you both described. At some point, it's always useful to strike a balance between understanding how much work there is to be done and then not being overwhelmed by it. I feel like this is a long-term effort, a truly transformative effort that needs to take place. And it is happening in some organizations. Are there other ways that you've seen that we can build those consumer muscles within our teams? Paul, we'll start with you. It's not rocket science. It's talking to yeah. people. <laughs> um, and that might sound really simple, but um, but it's something that we need to pay really careful attention to. I think one thing we say often to our clients is it's really easy to do bad research. Like if, if you don't put effort and energy into the ways in which you're going to engage people, the ways in which you're going to communicate and, and collaborate with communities, then you get bad outputs. You get bad, I guess, qualitative data, right? And so... We really want to, you know, create connections with organizations where we're talking continuously to their customers as their needs are always changing, right? So I think that's something that UX has really brought to the forefront of people's minds is that continuous connection, which is really powerful. 
Because, you know, the trends are changing, their influence is changing, their needs are changing. And so we definitely like to let, help our clients understand that it's not a one and done. We don't just go out, talk to their customers or their members, understand them, and then good, you know, dust off our hands and, you know, go heads down for a couple of years. Like it needs to be constant again and again and again. So, but yeah, just talk to people more. <laughs> Jared, I would, I would add that I think an area of exploration is, is as you're exploring redesigning or going through an experience, it's analogous thinking. I think we're really, really good in healthcare of describing the current experience and the current process. But it's really, I think it's really important to go get uncomfortable in another space, uh, in another industry, and then bring that back into bring that back that experience back into healthcare. I've been a huge advocate for that with any any cohort that I've been a part of, and you know any interaction I've had with Paul and team over the years is let's go into other industries that have you know have similar design problems that they're solving at the human level, and let's go watch and explore that, and then bring that back in. So I think that's an important element that to get us out of that forum, the healthcare forum, and move into other industries that could be adjacent, maybe they're not, but it creates some of that creativity and, and thinking as you bring those experiences back into into the healthcare system. Yeah, we spend a, a lot of time in our, our kind of workshopping and our design processes, pushing our clients just to look outside, like look, look outside of healthcare, because there's so many, you know, everywhere else is, I don't know, 10, 20 years ahead of healthcare in terms of the way they think about uh, the, the customer experience. And so there's so much we can learn, there's so much we can leverage. And, you know, I think the the needs and the the ways in which uh, customers think about healthcare is should be no different to the way they browse Netflix or the way they book a vacation or you know those are the expectations they have when they come to healthcare. They really are. And what I found hospital side working in a digital marketing team building up those capabilities is that we could have looked more often to the outside. For me, it took some time not being in that environment to see the value of doing that. And it's not one of those things I think people intentionally do. We just get hung up in the complexities of the business system. Systems, right, And so there's all this time that if you don't intentionally build space within your own curiosity and your own professional development to go look up those things, it can be easy to just ignore it. I think the spillover effect, Jared, because of the complexity of the industry, I think uh, the spillover effect, I'm going to call it a spillover effect into the, the way in which we talk about the industry, the language has been at a level that's, that's somewhat hard to, to understand for a consumer. So even just things like that and how we describe procedure or how we describe, you know, the care that someone's receiving. I mean, those can be really powerful opportunities to think about how are other industries describing their experiences with their consumers, you know, as an, as an example. I was going to add on that, Alex. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think the needs that consumers expect are, are there's a pretty low bar right now. I mean, it's, it's some really basic things, you know, and the first one is like, Hey, I, I don't want to feel stupid anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think healthcare does a good job of making people feel stupid. You know, they feel like they don't know what's going on. Right. And like, that shouldn't be difficult for us to solve. You know, they want to be able to, you know, imagine what meeting a PCP would be like before they go and see them. Right. Like there's, there's just little things that people want to, people expect and the needs are not huge. <laughs> That's something I've observed as well. The low-hanging fruit, there's a lot of it, right? The bar's pretty low right now, and those expectations continue to be compared to what we experience in other aspects of our lives. And all that's going to keep converging, I think. We can't put that toothpaste back in the tube from the peak of the pandemic where virtual care became a reality in a lot more organizations. Just the ability to say, yeah, hey, restaurants developed the ability to order curbside pickup. They added more mobile and digital options. My bank makes it easier to engage with them digitally. There's all these digital pivots happening in other areas of our lives. There's no more denying it. 
And I would say a few years ago, especially pre-COVID, in the ethos of healthcare marketing or digital teams, that wasn't a part of the conversation very frequently. So are there any success stories where you've seen where healthcare organizations are doing this? Maybe not perfectly, but they're seeing the benefits of designing consumer experiences or incorporating consumer insights into what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, I, I've seen lots of success stories, Jared, and, and sometimes it's in the in the, the success is having just the joy and delight of a consumer. I can see at Indigo, we have 250,000 five-star reviews across 40 clinics. So I would say that that's definitely a success story that we're you know, we're really, really, really thoughtful about listening to our consumers and then delighting them. You know, historically, um, some other success stories that I've seen, it's really been the wow in the moment where I don't have to fill out that paper, that clipboard for me, right? And maybe that's the low bar that, that you know, Paul is describing, but, you know, that's the wow. I had a uh, an experience with an orthodontist with one of my kids and it was wow, start to finish, like the entire treatment over the course of like six months with the follow-up and the thank you notes and just the notes, the thought of, hey, thinking about you, here's a note in the mail, like reach out if there's any questions. And then just knowing uh, my daughter as she's going through the treatment, walking in, hey, how are you? You know, the whole experience was fantastic. I was not a part of developing that. Paul wasn't a part of developing, but that is where I think it shows up in that end-to-end experience. When you do experience it, it kind of puts you back for a moment where you go, wow, this is unique. I haven't felt this before in this industry. So I think that's becoming more and more common. But uh, you know, Paul could add to you know some of this, the direct success of uh, project work. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, I can't talk too much about um, some of the work that we do with our clients because hopefully it's all coming in the future in the next few years. One thing that kind of uh, stood out from time in the fellowship, we did a, a program that was focused on adverse childhood experiences, ACEs, and we did some co-design with parents of children who were experiencing ACEs. And again, kind of going back to like the simple things, like what we learned through those sessions is that. There was no shortage of services out there for these parents to kind of navigate the challenges that were going on within their homes. But there was a real challenge for them to find those services and know where to start. And so even just on that program, the the solution was navigation. Like, how can we, you know, human-powered navigation, how can we provide people that can help people find the things they're looking for? And so that one was just a, a really simple kind of solution to something that these people were so isolated in their in their challenges within their families and human to human service was the the right solution there that was implemented so that's one that kind of stands out from the fellowship and i do feel the common themes though between jared some of the some of the things that we do see though across success stories are simplification is a common theme and there was a, a term used in one of our cohorts was uh, simplexity how do you make the the complex very simple and that stuck with me that is a you know paul has a saying about uh, less is more in design and that is stuck with me and is a thread across some of these success stories is it's sort of human nature to want to fill space and, and it's certainly in healthcare you want to show as much expertise as possible but from a you know from a design perspective you want to take things away maybe paul you can add to that that's what i've seen some of the success stories are the simplification of things yeah, thanks, Alex. I mean, we we like to start kind of all our relationships with our clients by telling them we're going to help them make less things. That's the value of good design is focusing companies, focusing organizations, focusing services, delivering services that are truly meaningful and helpful uh, to to their customers, to their patients, to their members. I think another big like big win of this type of approach is is kind of I guess like shifting shifting culture over time. And I think you know we're very much a uh, 
education-based design agency. So ideally, we're looking for our clients to embed themselves in this process, learn these tools and approaches, and then use them within their organization. It doesn't necessarily mean that they become designers overnight, but it certainly means that they're, they have a lot more knowledge in that space. And so, you know, when they're picking and, and working with external partners in the future, they're, they're in a much better position to drive that process, to drive uh, this kind of consumer or customer-focused perspective within their company. That really does come back to making design and innovation more mainstream, doesn't it? Making these skill sets and those success stories more relevant day-to-day to the point where we can say, of course, I would expect that. It's great to think of the future of where that can go as we continue to build on the momentum of the types of work and projects describing. Thanks for sharing those. So where do you hope all this work gets us? What could that better place actually be? In other words, what progress can we realistically expect in maybe a shorter term window, like the next one to two years? Let's start with Paul on this one. Yeah, I guess I guess I'll answer by kind of looking looking backwards a little bit first. I mean, I think the gains that that we've kind of seen over the last few years are huge. I mean, I think like the the adoption and now just like full acceptance of telehealth services, you know, as a foundation for healthcare, I think is incredible. You know, I think that's been a massive shift. I think the you know the growth of kind of retail clinics and you know providing better access and in, in within communities and neighborhoods is is really fantastic. And but the I think the reality that we've seen time and time again with our partners is change is is really hard and really slow. And so I'm kind of not answering your question, but it's been this way for so long. And I think it's it's really hard to make those shifts and those changes. And I think again, as very much as as an outsider who loves to to work and play in this space, like I think it's going to be the the people coming into the market that are are going to push the the bigger organizations to change. They're going to have to change. <laughs> They're going to get caught up really fast. Although I I don't know if I have the answer for the next couple of years, but I, I think my job as a designer is to always be optimistic and say, I'd love to see these growths and these changes we've seen these past few years uh, kind of double down and, and, and keep moving in those directions. And as I said before, it's the, the little things that we need to shift first before we get into delivering kind of delightful experiences we need to get the basics covered yeah so i i think in the next uh, one or two years here to with that with that window i think what i'd like to see is consistency across the industry and and how we you know how we approach uh, solving the problems and and then if if human centered design is part of that then awesome right i think we're, we're we're really achieving something i think the experiences that we we are designing end to end I'd like to see in the, in the next one to two years, I think we're going to start seeing, I think one of your previous guests has the idea of a flywheel, right? And, and I absolutely subscribe to that where we need to be thinking about things from a, mo- a place of momentum. I think we are now seeing the industry be nudged in a direction. And now we have momentum from a consumer standpoint. We've been observing the problem for a long time. And I think over the next one to two years, I'd like to see some of those problems start to be solved with an end-to-end experience. That's what I think we can expect over the, the next one to two years. Beyond that, I think there are there are some aspirational things. I, I try to look beyond that as well and, and kind of stretch our thinking. I think there's a lot of new technology and innovations on the horizon that I think we need to figure out how to point them at a problem and solve it. And I think the industry is going to have to partner with you know adjacent and other industries to help do that. I'll maybe piggyback on Alex's kind of like looking a little bit further forward. I mean, I think one of the things I would I would would love to see and hope to see would just be more personalization, you know, like and and people being able to customize and personalize what they want, when they want and how they want it. If, if I can do that with my Netflix account, you know, like I should be able to do that with my healthcare. It's it's uh, it's again a, a simple thing, but yeah, I hope that that's kind of the, maybe the next step from kind of the, the types of digital access that are more available now. Outstanding. Well, 
Thank you both so much. That's a wrap for this episode. I've had the pleasure of speaking with Alex Gray and Paul Backett. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks, Jared. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please spread the word. Tell your colleagues to tune in for all the awesomeness, then leave a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. This show is produced by Shift Forward Health, the channel for changemakers. Subscribe to Shift Forward Health on your favorite podcast app, and you'll be subscribed to our entire library of shows. See our full lineup at shiftforwardhealth.com. One subscription, all the podcasts you need, and it's all for free. And remember, we might have a lot of work to do in healthcare, but we'll get there faster together. Thanks again.